Hello, and thank you for listening to episode 67 of 60 Minutes With. I'm Dave, and this is my first time solo behind the mic on our new Soundcheck series of shows. Now, hopefully by now you've listened to uh, Chris and the great show that he did on Stiltskin, The Mind's Eye. And of course, if you haven't paused this and go and download it now and listen to it and then come back to me. Um, what I want to do by the, uh, the beginning of this is just to reiterate a few things that Chris said on the show um, that he did. Well, we didn't have a we didn't have a name for this series of shows. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. I put him. He was under pressure. He didn't even know what they were going to be called, and he still did a show. That's that's how bloody professional he is. You see, um, it's going to be myself and Chris and Tina uh, and Steve. And like I said on the website, if you didn't see the podcast notes from the last episode on the website, um, Steve joined our review team last year, reviewing films and music, and he put up a great top ten uh, music list uh, at the end of the year, so please go and have a read of that as well. Uh, he's going to be popping his podcast virginity with us, so when his show comes, please be gentle with him. Let it ease him into your ears slowly, <laughs> as I'm sure you will. Uh, but the great thing about it is we've got, between the four of us, such an eclectic range of music that we listen to, uh, that no matter what music you, the listener, um, usually listen to, I'm sure over these series of shows, uh, that hopefully you'll be put onto some new music that you didn't... Um, you weren't aware of before or, uh, or maybe you were and it's a bit of nostalgia for you as we cover some uh, some great albums that, that you like as well uh, we're also going to use these shows as a platform for new bands as well new up-and-coming bands and a way to give them a voice uh, that they can hopefully come and join us on the show and spend the 20 to 30 minutes uh, talking about new albums that they've coming out i'm already in talk to a few bands at the moment and yeah it's pretty exciting really with these shows um not only for the fact that me, Chris and Tina and Steve can just have a trot down memory lane with you, uh, with you with us. But we can also chat to these new bands as well. And no matter what bands we talk about, I do want to make sure that if you like what you hear, please support the music and buy it. Um, it's all so easy in this day and age, just with a click of a button to download it for free. And there it is. And unfortunately, with this generation, it's become... And it is a rant that I continue to have and probably always will be, being the old git that I now am. Um, I'm just expecting all the stuff for free. But please support the bands and buy it if you like it. Uh, with what I'm going to do, yes, I am predominantly going to talk about rock music. Uh, they're going to be the albums that I'm going to talk about. Because that's what I grew up with. That was my youth, listening to rock music. Since the age of 14, really, is when I discovered rock music. Although from an earlier age, um, from the early 70s, like from the age of 7 and 8, uh, when I was listening to and loving the likes of Slade uh, and, and T-Rex and Sweet uh, and all the glam rock bands back then, which I guess it was inevitable that in 1979 I would discover Kiss, isn't it? Uh, and on the subject of Kiss, the people that have uh, have listened to me throughout the years on uh, on this podcast in the 80s Picture House may be surprised when I say, no, I am not going to be talking about Kiss or Judas Priest or Scorpions or Wasp or any of the big bands. I do want to use these shows to talk about bands um, that got kind of overlooked, really, the, the more lesser-known bands, and that's especially the case uh, with this first pick that I've got, that if you've seen the, the title of the show, <laughs> you'll know already what it is, so it's going to come as no surprise for you. Um, I do also want to say, before I actually get into the album, uh, you'll have to excuse my voice as well. I am uh, currently on... 
the the back end of overcoming the dreaded man flu um so if if I sound a little odd uh, and even older and huskier than I normally do, it's because I'm still recovering from man flu. Um, so I'm sat in front of the mic and, and just because it's it's bloody hard work here, really, just sat in front of a mic. And it is actually as I'm sat here talking, I'm expecting like Chris or Tina or Tom or somebody to be in my ears and talking to me. So I now I know, Chris, uh, when you were saying about doing a monologue and the show that you did, yeah, it is a little bit different, isn't it? Um, but hopefully it's going to keep people keep people from hitting the fast forward button. So as you've probably seen already, like I said, my pick for uh, my inaugural show by myself is Shadow King, the self-titled Shadow King, released on October the 1st, 1991, coming in at a not over long 43 minutes, 44 seconds. Now, the reason I picked this, and I th obviously this will go for the four of us, is because we like the album. It would be stupid of us to pick an album and then go, yeah, I've picked this because we think it's really shit. Of course, the album that you know all of us pick, we're going to pick it first and foremost, is because we really love it and we want to talk about it. But on top of that, this is an album um, that I think, I was going to say it's underappreciated, but it isn't really, because all you need to do is if you go online and you rev you read any reviews for it, it isn't underappreciated. In fact, it's it's the total opposite. It's, it's very much appreciated a hell of a lot and gets some really good reviews. I think the trouble with it is it's it's more unknown than anything. It sort of flew under the radar of a lot of people, uh, both when it was released in 1991 and continues to do so now. And case in point being, um, when I mentioned to Tina that this was going to be my first album that I was going to talk about, and she said, oh, well, what album's that? Now, she's a person, as you'll get to know when she starts doing her shows as well, who is very well versed in the music industry, um, even worked in it in America for a few years as well. Very eclectic in her taste, a big rock fan as well. Um, and I was playing her a few tracks from this, and she'd go, no, don't know that one, don't know that one. And people I've talked to over the years as well, I've mentioned Shadow King, it inevitably comes up. Uh, and they've gone, no, don't know who they are. So hopefully through through this, um, if you actually, if you do know who they are, and you're already familiar with Shadow King, please you know, send us a tweet or write on a Facebook or send us an email because I'd, I'd love to hear from you because over the years I've not met many Shadow King fans, which is quite unfortunate, really. So that's the reason That's the reason why I picked it. It's also one of the, one of the rare albums as well, which for me, to use a cliched quote, is all killer and no filler. Uh, it's 10 tracks, and there's not a bad track on it for me. I could drop the needle anywhere excuse me it's the man flu kicking in uh anywhere on the album and i do own it on on uh, on vinyl and on cd as well uh and i paid and downloaded it digitally as well yes i did pay i really and i can show you i did pay for the digital version even though i own it on uh, on vinyl uh and on cd and this goes back as well support the music that you like um yeah, it's it's just really it's a really good album from top to tail. It's a melodic rock album. Um, it's a little bit lighter than the stuff that I was listening to at the time, uh, and it did, like I said, it, it flew by my head at the time as well. I know there was an article in Kerrang about it, but there wasn't really a lot of publicity 
publicity about it. And I think that ultimately uh, was one of the reasons for the short life of the band uh, because they were formed in 1991. Like I said, this album came out on October the 1st, 1991. But by February 92, they were no more. Uh, and they'd only, in between that, they'd released this one album and they'd only ever played one live gig and we're going to get into that as well. So I thought, I need I need to get this band out there and to let you know that they exist and have a listen to them because um, they were one of these so-called supergroups um, that were formed. I mean, the band consists of Lou Graham on vocals, Vivian Campbell on guitar and keyboards, Bruce Turgan on bass and keyboards, and Kevin Valentine on drums. Now, you'll probably well know already that um, Lou Graham, with the vocalist, with Foreigner. Now, if you don't know Foreigner, <laughs> what the hell are you doing listening to this? <laughs> you should know Foreigner. Um, he, was, he came to this album off the back of two solo albums after being in Foreigner for 10 years. And for me personally, I think Lou Graham has got one of the best voices uh, in rock, especially at that time. Um, for the harder-edge stuff, I always loved, uh, like Rob Halford from Judas Priest, um, David Coverdale, circa the, the the early, well, actually, late 70s through to, like, late 80s. had, like, an incredible voice. And Lou Graham, as well, has got one of those voices that I could... He, he could sing the songbook. The songbook? He could sing the phone book to me. Uh, and I would listen to it, and it, it would be fantastic. Vivian Campbell on guitar, he'd, of course, by this time, he'd been with Dio and White Snake and the River Dogs. Um, he'd also worked as well with Lou Graham on Lou Graham's second solo album. Um, so those two had got a little bit of background together, and especially uh, on bass, Bruce Turgan. He'd done a lot of work with Lou Graham on his solo albums and worked with bands such as Warrior and so on. And then, like I said, on drums, Kevin Valentine. Uh, he'd been, oh, wow, he's been, with, he's been with so many bands. He's got a, an absolutely amazing career. Uh, and yes, he played drums on three Kiss albums. Now, I did say I wasn't going to pick a Kiss album, but I, at no point did I say I was never going to mention Kiss. You know it's going to happen now and again. I've got to mention them. Um, he played on Hot in the Shade, Revenge, and especially was um, on Psycho Circus, the 1998 album, where he played virtually everything <laughs> on there. So that's the band, a lot of experience. It was produced by uh, Keith Olsen. And again, here's a producer who I've loved. It's, it's the work that he did with the likes of Rick Springfield, Fleetwood Mac, Ozzy Osbourne, Whitesnake, Pat Benatar and heart you know some really good melodic rock background and he'd worked with foreigner as well so there once again is another link with lou graham everything within this band sort of centers around lou graham and at one point um i mean there's been a lot of questions asked with interviews you know is it going to be called the lou graham band or is it lou graham with and so on but he didn't want that he wanted uh an identity for the band that just didn't focus on him and good for him for being, you know, for doing that. You know, at that point of his career, you know, he's really famous. He'd written some absolutely incredible songs, uh, the frontman of Foreigner and so on. He'd had two really good um, solo albums, but he wanted it to be a band project, and so the album was released, um, and it kicks off with track one. What would it take? And I think, well, this is one of my favourite songs on the album. And like I said, you know, a few minutes ago, when you're talking about an album where personally I don't think there's a bad song in it, trying to pick two tracks for the favourite. 
Bloody hell, that was a bit difficult. <laughs> so what what better point than any? Um, let's kick off with the first song on the album that you can ever listen to. Um, so here's Shadow King and What Would It Take? Borrow. I can see 
And there you go, that's how the album kicks off. And I think that's a good indication of the entire album, really. Um, you get a good sense of, obviously, that I've said already, you know, with with the beautiful vocals. <laughs> I really do. I can't, I can't stress enough how much I love, like, Lou Graham's voice. Um, so warm and rich and emotive. Uh, and you can do it live as well. I'll just get a, briefly in a little bit, get onto the live show that they did. Uh, but he's one of those vocalists that he can deliver live and it just sounds like the album. You know, he's he's got the vocal pipes to uh, to deliver no matter where he is. But it is, it's not It's not heavy on the guitar. Uh, it's quite keyboard rich as, as well, but without being too intrusive and too... Um, and again, as long-time listeners will, will know one of my gripes, without being too plinkety-plonk on the keyboards as well. It just sort of fills the, the, the each and every song out nicely. Um, Vivian Campbell as well uh, mentioned in an interview, uh, he was asked about why the guitar sound on this album wasn't sort of front and foremost, as it was on a lot of his uh, former uh, projects that he did. Uh, and he said he didn't. He was so he was coming off the back of River Dogs as well, where it, you know it was, the guitar was quite front with it. It was quite heavy, um, focused in the mix and so on. And he just wanted to downplay it. And I think it suits the whole album. And he did talk about uh, for the second album, what I want to do is yeah, we'll bump the guitar up a little bit. But I think that was all smoke and mirrors as we get a little bit more into the story of Shadow King. <laughs> Shadow King. Uh, the album carries on anytime, anywhere. This was a, a very close contender uh, for my second track. Um, as they all were, to be honest, like I said, it, it was really difficult to pick which one I was going to pick. Uh, and they do, there's, there's no sort of downtime with it. I mean, it goes on to track three, Once Upon a Time, which is a second track that I'm going to play. Uh, but I think Chris has set an early precedent <laughs> with the first show that he did. And we'll save the second track for the very end of the show. So you've got that to look forward to. Uh, track four, Don't Even Know I'm Alive. Track five, Boy. Track six, I Want You. This Heart of Stone. And it goes on and on. I, I don't want to go too much into each individual track um a because i'm pretty kind of shit at explaining each musical track and because i'm not a musical person and you might think well that's kind of shit if you're going to do a music <laughs> a music show uh, but th there's a few things with it where um and i guess people of a similar age to me might get this of um the structure of an album and I think this is structured really well and it's kind of strange in a way that there's only really sort of one what I would class as ballad on the album um, and I always thought back then side two track two was always where the, the ballad was put on an album for me that's what all the, all the rock stuff I listened to nine times out of ten track two side two here's the ballad of the album no it doesn't it doesn't work like this on this one um and admittedly, there are a few slower tracks, but there is only the one, the one ballad, and there's nothing, there's nothing particularly that's really sort of hard rock. I guess the only time that Vivian Campbell really gets to cut loose is on track seven, this Heart of Stone, and that's when it gets to um, the solo in it. But like I said earlier, the guitar mix in it is is really. Um, Sorry, I, my voice went. <laughs> my voice went high. Then I thought I was going to view puberty for the second time. Um, that'd be interesting. 
Um, yeah, his, his, his guitar mix is, while not being muted, um, and they don't sort of restrain him, it is lower in the mix. But when it does come out, given, like, in this Heart of Stone, and you get the, the solo, um, it just makes it... It gives it that bit more punch that it wouldn't have normally had if it hadn't been just a bit lower during all the other songs. Now, one thing that I mentioned was that they only did the one live show, um, which is... It's heartbreaking, really, to be honest. I would have loved to have seen this band live. Uh, I would have loved for this band to have the longer shelf life that it did uh, before the, the breakup that happened. But they only played one show um, on December the 13th, 1991, at the Astoria in London. Now, about 20-odd minutes' worth of footage from this gig exists, and it's on YouTube. Um, and actually, I'll, I'll link to it on the podcast notes on the website. That's the, the video that I'll put at the bottom of the show. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and before that, they conducted an interview, which, if truth be told, whoever did the interview is a little bit shit. <laughs> One of the questions he, a he asks, okay, he asks Lou Graham, okay? He asks Lou Graham, well, what experience do you bring to the band? Okay, you're asking Lou Graham, what experience have you brought to the band? I mean, that's, like, Jesus Christ. It's like you've got an interview with Elvis Presley and you you say something stupid like, well, can you shake your hips? <laughs> it's what you don't ask questions like that. But there was something uh, quite prophetic that came from that interview, uh, and they went through. They asked the four band members, the four band members. Uh, sorry, see, this is the remnants of the man flu messing with my brain. Uh, they asked the four band members. Um, a series of just, you know, generic questions. What was your favourite album of 1991? And so on and so forth. And one of the questions was, well, what was what was the worst thing musically in 1991 that happened? Which is, is a kind of a weird question, I guess. Now, Vivian Campbell answered it with the death of Steve Clark. Now, Steve Clark was the guitarist in Def Leppard. And he died um, earlier on in 1991. Now, at this point, now remember, it's December the 13th, 1991. Uh, a mere two months later, Vivian Campbell was announced as the guitarist of, yep, Def Leppard. Now, I think that he already knew this. This was already a done and dusted deal at the time of this gig. Um, I've got no proof of that, obviously. It's just, you know, this is just pure conjecture um and i guess it would explain why they only did the one show what's the point of booking more or at all when you know that your guitarist is going to leave now i've read that the band did consider um auditioning for other guitarists but didn't you know that this was the very very short shelf life of Shadow King. And it's really unfortunate that, you know, this series of events would happen um, that would birth this band, but then the events that would unfold would be the ultimate death of the band as well, just within this short time period. Um, and Lou Graham and, and Bruce Turgan, they went on... Um, they went back to... <coughs> excuse me again. They went back to Foreigner. Um, Kevin Valentine, he went back to, you know... 
all the band work they did. He, you know, we were coming up to the time when he played on Revenge for Kiss as well. And it's just it's it's just really frustrating, really, when I listen to an album like this and I think, damn, what a what a great debut album from a band, just sort of laying the bedrock for what could have been, and then that's it, they're gone. One live show in London, one single, I Want You, uh, was released as the only single in 1991, um, didn't do fantastically. And again, it, it, it's that series of things like, I don't think they were promoted well, uh, with Steve Clark dying and Vivian Campbell was going to leave. Um, nothing, nothing really worked out well for the band. The dice didn't roll as they should have done. But hopefully through this 30, 30 minutes or so that you're going to listen to. Um, if I've just got one person uh, excited about the band and go, yeah, I'm going to buy that. I really like it. This this format of shows would have done its job. So I think that's about it. Wow. It goes really quickly, but it is kind of weird talking to yourself, <laughs> especially when you're trying to stifle coughs and sneezes as well. <laughs> Uh, so to finish, of course, um, please go to the website, uh, like Chris said in the last show as well. Um, not only can you download the podcast there um, or stream them if you want to. We've got all the reviews that we do and a lot more there. 60minuteswith.co.uk. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 60minuteswith. Uh, you can email us, contact at 60minuteswith.co.uk, or you can fill in the contact us form on uh, the website so you can tell I'm struggling talking now for this amount of time can't you <laughs> thank god this is the end um, so yeah this is it I know um, Tina has, has floated a few ideas at me of the uh, the first album that she wants to talk about uh, and when I said at the beginning of the show that these are going to be eclectic Trust me, these are going to be eclectic. And <laughs> I've been swapping messages with Steve as well. You're No matter what music you like, there's going to be a lot of stuff covered. Um, thank you to everybody that gave us such the amazing feedback uh, from Chris's first show. We really appreciate it, and, we, and we're so pleased as well um, that everything that we've read so far, everybody seemed to enjoy it. Uh, please continue to give us the feedback as well. Uh, that That makes us very happy indeed. Uh, and so with that, what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to finish the show. So and then I'm going to cough a lot. Uh, so whoever you are, wherever you are, thank you for listening. And I'm going to leave you now uh, with track three from the album. Uh, and it's called Once Upon a Time.
dancing Word gets round 